1: Life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life.
1: And I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever helped somebody? Or have you ever given somebody a gift? And they just took it and left. And no thank you, I mean, I know you're not looking for a thank you, but they didn't seem thankful for it. They had no admiration or appreciation for you or what, for what you did. In our culture today, most Americans, they have a certain amount of thanks, but they seem to limit their thankfulness only to what they get out of somebody. But we always base it on material items tangible things that we have. Like I needed, you know, I was short a hundred bucks and somebody loaned me money to get through the week. And now I'm thankful for the hundred bucks. I mean, were you thankful for that friend before they gave you a hundred bucks? But whenever people ask what you're thankful for, the response is this list of things you can hold in your hand that they're thankful for. Well, what if you have not been given what you've been wanting? Are you thankful then? What if you've been wanting something for a long time, you've been praying for it and been asking the Lord for it never have got it? Are you thankful or does it depend on when you get it first? See what I'm saying? Some people, they're not happy and they're not thankful till they get what they're asking for. And I think that's a wrong way to live. In Luke 17 and 11, Jesus is traveling here. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, there's a reason why these guys are standing afar, because leprosy is infectious. It damages the skin. It like chews your limbs down. And today there is treatment for it. If you ever catch it, they can do things about it. But back in Jesus' day, there was no cure for it. And so when leprosy is left untreated, it can progress into permanent disabilities. And it also causes a shorter lifespan. But probably the worst part of being a leper back in the ancient days is once you had that disease, you were expelled. Get out of our community. You're gone. And they had to leave the community because being so infectious, it was dangerous that everybody would catch it. So this resulted in a very lonely and rejected life for lepers. You ever felt alone? You ever felt like nobody wanted to be around you by yourself, isolated? Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. Nobody even wants to have a discussion, conversation with me. These people were gone. Get out of here and go live your life. Get away from us. It's terrible. And so they would often set up their own leper communities. Like if you had two guys that were lepers, well, they would live together. And everybody stayed away from there. So you can see why they're standing afar off shouting, Master, come help us. Jesus, help us. Because they're not permitted to get around anyone. They saw Jesus and they knew who he was. They knew what he was capable of doing. They've been hearing all the healings that he had been doing all around the land. So they called out to him. It's like this is our only way out of this cursed, dead-end way of living. There is no way out. All we got is that man right over there. Jesus, come help us. And friends, a quick gospel parallel that I want to give you is as sinners, we have something much worse than leprosy. It kills us. Sin kills you, ultimately, in a place called hell, I'll say it. It's a fiery place. You do not want to go there. You have no way out. You're expelled from heaven. You can't come into heaven with this infection. Your only way out is to call upon Jesus Christ like these men did right here. He's the only way you got so they called out to Jesus as their only way, Luke 17, 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to notice how they were not healed immediately. He said, you start walking. Well, wait a minute. We still got the skin problem. I'm not, I'm not healed. Just start walking. You'll get there. Now, first off, you know, if you're a leper, you've got your fingers and your toes and feet and everything all chewed up. It's, it's hard to walk. They had to wrap theirself where they were bleeding all the time. They had to wrap theirself up like big old band-aids to, you know, keep from bleeding and ripping their skin. You want me to walk to the priest? For all we know, the priest was 10 miles away. I don't know. The last thing you should expect me to do is start walking anywhere. Why don't you heal me first and then I'll walk? See what I'm saying? See how we are? No, just give me the goods first and then I'll do it. Bless me first and then I'll go. No, he said, I want you to walk first. So they weren't healed right away. You almost have a temptation if you were one of the 10 guys to say, no, 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 wait a minute. Why don't you do something now while I got you? I mean, they probably had to wrestle with this in their mind for a minute. So he told them to go show the priest. And why go show the priest? That was a signal to the religious authorities, the Messiah is here. Because nobody had ever been cured of leprosy before. He's going to show them the Messiah is here. But at that moment of Jesus' instruction, these 10 guys were still lepers. Nothing had changed yet. Now, the reason for this is Jesus required faith on their part, those who were being healed. So by faith, they went to the priest's place knowing that lepers were not allowed to get close to anyone. Okay, we're lepers. We're identified lepers. People know us for being infectious, and you want us to go all the way into town and go straight into the priest. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. You know, Jesus will sometimes tell you to do things that make no sense. I can't do that. Culture won't like it. Jesus says, I want you to go do it. Jesus called me to ministry. I thought, oh, my gosh, you know how many people I'm going to upset? <laughs> it's, that's okay. Go do it. So they went straight to get their healing and go show the priest. And many times Jesus would ask a person, do you believe that I can do this? I just love it when he would do that. He goes, do you really think I can do this? Like he was testing to see if they were really going to believe it or not. Friends, Jesus wants people to show their faith. When he tells you to do something, just go. Don't wait for Well, I'll, I'll wait until you give it to me. I remember when I first went into ministry, I thought I was my first ministry job was going to be in a gigantozoid church with a huge budget, 3,000 people attending. I was going to have an office bigger than this room. You know, I was thinking it was going to be all this great stuff. No, I want you to start a new one. A new church? Yeah. From scratch? Yeah. With no money? Yeah. No building? Yeah. With no people? Yeah. Start it from nothing. You see what I'm saying? See how we are. See how we do, Jesus? Bless me first and then I'll go. He goes, no, you go. Jesus wants people to show their faith. So we don't know how far these men had to walk. We don't know how far it was to get to the priest's place. But for one thing, it's hard for a leper to travel. Sometimes I know it's hard for you to travel in your life journey. There's hindrances in your way. Maybe not leprosy, of course, but maybe there's other things that get in the way. You know, we got our culture telling us all the time, you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do this, then, then you're a so-and-so and we'll call you this name and you can't do all the, they got this list of don't do's, okay? And then God tells you to do something that violates the don't do list. They had to go do it. Now, can you imagine these guys walking on the way and as they're walking, dude, dude, check out my hands. Whoa, why don't we walk a little faster? I mean, this is starting to happen. Well, my, my arms are coming, my legs are coming around. This guy's for real. Man, let's hurry up and get to the priest now. And the more healed they got, the faster they could go. Man, Okay, Christian, I want you to take a hold of this for a minute. God may have called you to some things, and you, at first you're like, well, I can't do it because I've got too many things in the way. I'm not good at this, or I don't have enough money for that. or I, My big thing was, Ray, go be a pastor. I'm like, well, I can't speak. I guarantee, I will guarantee you. One of my top biggest five fears in all my whole life was public speaking. I couldn't do it. But these guys, as they're going, it got better as it went. Whatever God has called you to do, and your first reaction is, I can't do it because of, here's my list, God. Here's the why I can't do it. Why don't you just start walking and watch him start scratching pieces of that list off? Oh, now things are changing. They're starting to get their healing, their physical abilities, were strengthening and improving. What a fun time that must have been. I'd like to have been with these guys walking just to see what that was like. Isn't that cool? But check this out, Luke 17 and 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Of all ten of these lepers, only one guy came back to say thank you. One out of ten. That's a bad percentage if you ask me. Just one guy. And it says, this man was a Samaritan. What's so significant about that? Samaritans were not full-blooded Jews. They were considered half-breeds. The Jews despised the Samaritans. It was their prejudice. The only guy that came back was a Samaritan. Of all the guys, a Samaritan's the one that came back? The lowly guy? Luke 17, 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine where there are not any found who return to give glory to God except this foreigner? (laughs) Guys, I'm that foreigner. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a full-blooded Jew. I'm not Jewish. That's me in the picture, that even I can be saved by Jesus. Jesus did not just come to save the Jews. He came to save us all, but these nine didn't come. I think it's quite fair to say that Jesus was pretty disappointed that only one guy out of ten came back. I don't want to be guilty of disappointing Jesus Christ. And it wasn't even a Jewish man that made the effort. Of all ten who were healed, nine of them didn't even bother to come back to say thank you. You know, friends, God desires for us to express our thankfulness. God wants us to be thankful and have a thankful heart for the good things that he's done. Luke 17, 19. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So good. Okay, something I want us to recognize, Jesus did not refuse to heal all ten of these guys. Jesus knew before all of this that nine of them weren't coming back. He already knew that, but he healed them anyway. So he healed all these guys. He healed all of them for their faith. This was a faith exercise for them. But Jesus did point out their lack of thankfulness. Guys, I think that what we see in the picture here is you can have faith and call upon the Lord, and he can answer it, and you think, that's it, I'm good. And if you don't have thankfulness, what a disappointment. You know, most people I talk to, I ask, are they saved, and they're not really following the Lord. You know, if you obey the Lord, that expresses your thankfulness to the Lord, and they're not doing it, they're not living a life that glorifies God. And they say, well, yeah, I'm saved, I, I gave my life to Jesus and all that. Well, where's your thankfulness? You know how disappointing that is to the Lord God. Think about the times you've helped people before, and they didn't even thank you or come back, or have any admiral, they just took it and left. I mean, how do you think the Lord felt here? So all 10 men, they got physical healing, no doubt. But in the special way that Jesus addressed this one foreigner Samaritan man indicates that this Samaritan received more than just physical blessing. But in addition to this man getting healed skin, this man was given spiritual healing. He came back to the Lord. He knew, I need to go back and say thank you to this guy. And Jesus was very pleased with that. Now, I believe this man was given the blessing of spiritual wholeness in addition to just the physical healing of his body. You see, what this Samaritan had done was he acknowledged that the giver is greater than the gift. I think that's a pivotal uh, main idea I want you to keep in here. This is actually the name of my message. It's called thankfulness. The giver is greater than the gift. If I ever give you anything, I hope you enjoy it, but I hope you consider me a little bit better than what I gave you, okay? The giver is greater than the gift. And so today, when most people talk about Jesus, the way they view Jesus is more about the gifts than the giver. They think more about what Jesus did for me, what Jesus gave me. You know, He gave me a car, He gave me a job, I got all this stuff. And they think more about their stuff then they think about him directly. You know, when I give you a gift, I want you to have admiration and just a warm feeling. Hey, man, Ray gave me something. This is cool. I, I like Ray. I remember Ray. You know, that's nice. You know, but if you get all fixated on the gift and you forget all about me, oh, this is a great gift I got. Oh, what good is that? Come, come on. I, I, I did that to develop our friendship together. People talk more about the things they've been given and they don't want to talk about Jesus. They just want to talk about all the stuff they got. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I live in a nice house. i got a good job. My health's pretty good. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a believer. Well, wait, what does your stuff have to do with it? What about Jesus himself? Well, you know, when we get offended, you know, if people might hear us and get all upset, if we talk about Jesus out loud, you know. You see how people do? They'll tell you they have faith. They'll tell you how much they prayed. And they'll say, well, God has even answered my prayers because I have stuff that I asked for, and I got it. Okay, great, you can pray. But how many people are willing to put in the effort to give thanks to the giver? Thank you, Lord. And not just saying it, thanks, God, and then go on your way. I'm talking about thanks in your life, how you live, demonstrates thanks. Did you know that you're coming to church today is a way of saying thank you, Lord? because he told us to be together. He commands it. You look it up in Hebrews 10:24, I think it is. He commands go to church. You know people say you don't have to go to church to be saved. Well, God commands you to go. And if you're thankful to him, you'll go. So you're just being here's an act of thankfulness. So I thank y'all for being thankful, all right? Thankful to the giver. I'm under the impression that the number of people that would take the time to be thankful to the giver and not just the gifts is less than 10%. 1 out of 10. That's a very bad percentage. So the giver is greater than the gift. And so we should always remember to be thankful to the giver not just what they've given us. Every Thanksgiving I hear people say what they're thankful for and they say things like I'm I'm thankful for my family and those are good things. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. Definitely put that on the list. I'm thankful for my family and thankful for my health. I'm thankful I have a good job, but those are all gifts. They're not as great as the giver. How often have you heard someone directly say their thankfulness to the giver? I'm thankful for the things I've been given, yes, but I'm also thankful that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior and I'm thankful I have the Lord God. Who says that? I think we should be one out of 10 that does. This makes me think of Hannah from 1 Samuel. She prayed for a son for a very, very long time, and she was uh, finally blessed with a son, and she told the priest Eli, when she finally got a son, she told him in First Samuel one twenty seven. she said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him, so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. How many of you moms, if you ever had a child, as soon as they were able to get out of the house, you gave them away to the Lord's service? Well, wait a minute wait a minute, I asked for this, I prayed for a long time, now just give it away. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do your life. Lord God, please save me, please save me, Lord, I'll do any. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me eternal life. Thank you for saving me. Now, my life belongs to you now, and give it away to him. I do everything for you now, Lord God. You see the picture? Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. You see, Hannah was more thankful to the giver than the gift. If she was more thankful for the gift, she would have said, no, little Samuel, you're staying with me for the rest of your life. You're not going into the priesthood. You're not going to go work for the Lord. You're staying with me. Now that I got you, you're mine. Mine, mine, mine. She was more thankful to the giver than the gift, and that's why she had no problem giving her son away in dedication to the Lord's service, because she knew the giver is greater than the gift. Can we please get a hold of this idea? We'd be better believers for it. She did not do like the nine lepers who just took their gift and walked away and didn't thank the Lord for it. She expressed her thankfulness. She gave him away. Now, I want to take you to the book of John. I want to show you where there was a multitude of followers. We'll be in John chapter 6. There was a large multitude of followers that came after Jesus because they wanted to be healed. They'd been hearing of all the great things he'd been doing. They wanted their healing. And the Passover was about to happen. People had no food to eat. They're very hungry. So Jesus tested his disciples by asking them how they thought all these people could be fed. So in John chapter 6, verse 10, Philip answered him, and he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. It's a lot. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had what? Given thanks. Look at that. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. This is a fish and loaf buffet. For five thousand men. Now that's only the men numbered here. If each man had a woman with him, that's ten thousand. If each man had a family of two to three kids, you can go to fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand really quick. And they only had a few loaves and a few fish, and they had buffet time. I want you to take notice how Jesus prepared to feed thousands of people with only five loaves and two small fish. Friends, at this point right here. When, when he had just the fish and loaves in hand, there was not enough to go around to feed everybody. There wasn't enough. But before he gave out the food, it said Jesus gave thanks for it. I want you to look at this. Jesus was thanking the Lord for something that was not enough. Friends, have you ever thanked the Lord for something that wasn't enough? I've got a bill due. It's it's 500 bucks, and I only have $300. Thank you for $300, but there's 500 we got to pay and everybody loses their mind. Have you ever been thankful to the Lord when what you had was not enough? Do you think maybe he gave you not enough just to see if you would be thankful ahead of time so that he could then bless it to make it enough later? Lord, this ain't enough. I'm not happy. I'm not thankful. It's not enough. Give me more. We do that, don't we? So look at this. He thanked the Lord for something that was not enough. Not yet anyway. And typically, whenever I see people being thankful, they give thanks after they've been given enough. Heard a story about Chuck Smith. They needed so much money uh, to keep his church going, and they didn't have it. And he was worried. And where are we going to get it? And he prayed, and we prayed, and we pray, and pray, and, pray. and something happened after a lot of prayer. And then this, somebody sent a check and said, here, I'm giving this because the Lord told me to give it to you. And it was enough money. And he went into the kitchen and he took his wife. He goes, Look what came in the mail. We have enough. She says, Oh, praise God. And he grabbed her and he started to dance with her. And they started to go around the kitchen, you know, just dancing. He was so happy. And then in his prayer time, the Lord said, How come you didn't dance with your wife like that before I gave you the check? How come you weren't thankful before the check came in? Oh, punch to the chest. How come we're not thankful until it's enough? Lord, it's not enough. I'm not happy. Jesus gave thanks before there was enough bread. There's really something to be said about the fact that Jesus was thankful for something that wasn't yet there. You hear me? It wasn't until Jesus utilized what little he had that it then became enough. He told the lepers, go walk down the priest. What do you mean walk? Have you seen my legs? Look at me, Jesus. I can't walk. Start walking. Well, we're not enough yet. See, we have this habit of, Lord, you got to bless me first, and then I'll be thankful. Why can't we be thankful now? I know there's things you've been asking for in this world. I know there's things you need, and you haven't gotten it yet, and you're just not happy until you get it. Why don't you start walking now while the bandages are still on? Why don't you start walking now before there's enough bread? Maybe there's not enough money. Why don't you start walking now, and let's see what he does. He's waiting on you to move. Oh, he's got all the money in the world. He's got all the money in the universe. He can throw it in your lap anytime but are you walking like you believe it? Remember, Jesus asked people first. He goes, do you think I can do this? Yes, I think you can, Jesus. We'll start walking. No, no, you got to give it to me first. Well, you don't think he can do it. You see the dynamic going on here. Oh, Lord. How many of us are able to look at what little we do have and still be thankful for it? I've got a house foundation settling. I know that brings up a headache to some of (laughs) y'all you're dealing with it. And cracks in the walls and stuff like that. But you know what? Thank you, Lord God, for this house. Rather than, this ain't enough. Thank you, Lord God, I have a place to live. How many of us can look at what little we have and still be thankful? You know, a lot of people's happiness and their contentment is based on how much they have right now. Right now, I have to have it now or I'm not happy. A lot of people, they're not going to go ahead and act faithfully if they perceive they don't have enough today. We have to have it now up front. Be happy and thankful now.